Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautyo Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. We're running new online talks about topics like owls and cuckoos to enhance your birding skills. Learn more by following us on Facebook and on our website, OceanStateBirdClub.org. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 825. A little John Denver music, please. No, he'd be poor man if you never saw It's from our In Case You Missed It department. Some more good news about the continuing recovery of bald eagles. According to a new report from the Fish and Wildlife Service, bald eagle populations have quadrupled since 2009. Bald eagles once teetered on the brink of extinction, reaching an all-time low of 417 known nesting pairs in 1963 in the lower 48 states. But after decades of protection... The banning of the pesticide DDT and many conservation efforts, the bald eagle population has grown to more than 71,400 nesting pairs with an estimated individual population of 316,700 bald eagles in the lower 48. Wow. But speaking of pesticides, there's a relatively new type that's causing serious concern, neonicotinoids. Now, the most widely used class of pesticides in the world have been linked to the plummeting populations of bees, which are critical to crop pollination. And an increasing number of studies are linking those neonics to health and birth defects and developmental issues in birds, as well as in deer and fish and other species. We'll be welcoming an expert on this topic to Talking Birds in the very near future. Uh, getting back to bald eagles for just a second, there's been some discovery about the big die-off of bald eagles in Arkansas. We'll talk about that on next week's show. Let's go up high again here. If you've never flown in a hot air balloon, may I humbly suggest you try it? It's a wondrous experience, and it even works if you're afraid of heights. Take it from your acrophobic correspondent. But there are other kinds of balloons. The smaller helium-filled variety that some folks call pre-garbage. It's been said accurately that there's no such thing as a good released balloon. When such a balloon is let go, it's nothing more than litter-delayed trash-in-progress pre-garbage, because not long after that balloon launches so beautifully into the sky, it bursts and comes back down as non-biodegradable, toxic trash, maybe in a field, maybe in a river, or in the ocean, joining with the millions of tons of plastic junk we send there every year. This might sound familiar. We mentioned it last week, but there's a reason for bringing it up today for everyone hearing our show live on the 28th of March, there's a bill in the legislature in the great state of Maine to address this ballooning problem, and there'll be a public hearing about the bill on Monday, March 29th. 
The bill is called an act to define intentional balloon releases as litter. More details can be found on our TalkingBirds.com website. That might be a familiar sound. It's our mystery bird preview here of our mystery bird contest presented by Red Start Birding. Red Start Birding is your new resource for birding optics, gear, and expertise. Great birding starts at redstartbirding.com. Our mystery bird is small, about five to six inches in length with a rusty brown back, a cinnamon and tan breast and belly, a white throat and eyebrow and a medium-length tail that it often holds in a nearly upright position. Our bird, which has expanded its range northward in recent years, is found year-round from southeastern Canada down to Florida and out to eastern Oklahoma, Nebraska, and Texas. That's our mystery bird. Our prize, our main prize, or our first prize, is the Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder. That's the one that attaches right to your window, offering a clear unobstructed view with nothing but glass between you and the birds. Bonus prize is a 12-ounce bag of bird-friendly, shade-grown, delicious birds and beans coffee. If you win the contest, by the way, you get both of those prizes automatically, just to clarify that. And the number would be 781-837-4900, but the contest will come along in just a little bit um, later this morning. We have a conservation salute of the week. It's about bird conservation this week, and it goes to the cities of Philadelphia and Dallas for becoming the two newest American cities to become part of the Lights Out program, in which building owners and managers agree to turn off excess lighting during the months when migrating birds are flying overhead, thereby helping to provide the birds safe passage between their wintering and nesting grounds at this season. So our conservation salute to the cities of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Dallas, Texas, for joining the more than 30 other cities now turning out the lights. Lights out. Now here's another salute. It's one that we're very lucky to be able to do on every week's show for a good long time now and hoping it continues. And thank you to Eric Warren from Long Beto, Massachusetts, for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. We salute you, Eric, and thank you for the kind comments. And thank you to Judy Golden from Valleyfield, Quebec, Canada. She says, I love to camp with my dog with my birdie binoculars. Thank you, Judy, and say hello to Dakota. That's Judy's dog. Thank you so much, Judy. And thank you to Adam Johnson from Spring, Texas. He says, happy to share your radio show and podcast here in the great state of Texas. He says he looks forward to our presence in the car on his daily commute. He says, if I can get two shows in a day, I should be all caught up in just a couple of years. Looking forward to it. And uh, Adam has a wonderful company. We'll mention that uh, on our next show. Give a little plug to something cool that he is doing. Meanwhile, we are very excited to announce that our March to 600, the effort to grow our ambassador's family to 600 members, has reached its goal several days early. Thank you so much, ambassadors, for making that happen. We'll be welcoming and thanking those new ambassadors on the air soon. And we'll be sending a special salute to Ambassador number 600. 
to join our ambassador's family. Really easy to do. Just go to TalkingBirds.com and click on the Get Involved button right there at the top of the homepage. Still to come on our show today, we'll talk with a woman who's doing great work in efforts to restore the habitat for this bird. The red cockaded woodpecker. Wildlife biologist Mercedes Maddox will be with us. And so will Mike O'Connor in a Let's Ask Mike segment from the archives about birds pairing up in the spring for very practical reasons. And up next, a beautiful and Acrobatic flyer that we hope to see swooping in the skies around here soon is today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Last spring, the Talking Birds Garden, right behind our home radio station here in Massachusetts, hosted nesting house wrens at one end of the garden. And today's featured feathered friend, the tree swallow, at the other. The tree swallow was first described in 1807 by French ornithologist Louis Viaud, who was the first to study changes in plumage. This swallow's plumage is deep iridescent blue on its back and head, and crisp white on its throat, chest, and belly. It's a sleek and slender aerial performer with a mildly forked tail and a total length of about five and a half inches. It's seen swooping and diving over fields and wetlands in late spring and summer all across North America after arriving from its breeding grounds in the extreme southern edges of the U.S. and down into Mexico and Central America. Successful efforts to restore bluebird populations have worked in favor of the tree swallow, which nests in holes of the same size as bluebirds, so it has taken advantage of bluebird houses that have been erected over much of North America. Tree swallows feed mostly on insects and spiders, and even one crustacean, the sand flea, but also on berries, including bayberries. Those berries are indigestible to most other birds because of their waxy coating, but tree swallows have adapted to eating them, and that helps them survive cold weather conditions. At this time of year, males are heading to nesting territories and preparing for courtship rituals that involve showing potential nesting sites to females. Nest sites include holes in dead trees, old sapsucker holes in live trees, and man-made nest boxes, including the ones set up for bluebirds. It's Tachycineta bicolor, the tree swallow. Nesting, we hope, in the Talking Birds garden again this spring and serving as today's featured feathered friend. Welcome again. It's our show number 825. And that website that we invite you to visit is TalkingBirds.com. The G is still missing. Mercedes Maddox is a non-game wildlife biologist with the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. Division of Wildlife and Freshwater Fisheries, where she works on lots of things, including monitoring populations of red cockaded woodpeckers. And she joins us now to uh, tell us more about that. Good morning, Mercedes. Good morning, Ray. Wonderful to have you on and to hear about your work and understand more about it. So what, Mercedes, has caused the red cockaded woodpecker to get into so much trouble? Yes, yeah, so the red-cockaded woodpecker has a very long history. 
Um, just it was thriving for so many years, but then um, as timber harvest continued to increase, um, unfortunately, its population went down because one thing that is especially unique of this woodpecker is that they like to excavate their cavities in live trees, um, much unlike all the other woodpeckers that prefer um, dead trees. So because of this um, unique trait of this bird, once timber harvest increased and all of the very large 80-year-old or so pines um, began to decrease, so did their numbers, along with um, fire suppression that also decreased their populations as well. Mm-hmm. You wrote a piece for the Alabama Forestry Commission's magazine. The piece was titled Back from the Brink, describing how efforts to help the red-cockaded woodpecker uh, recover to where it's no longer in danger of extinction and its status under the Endangered Species Act has been downgraded to threatened instead of endangered. Uh, give us a quick overview, if you would, of those two terms and, and tell us what has happened to have that new status come into effect for this bird. Yes, absolutely. So downlisting, that means that the population is no longer in immediate threat of extinction. Um all, all kind of to say that the population numbers are in a more stable position than they were when the bird was originally listed in the 1970s. Um, and some things that have contributed to that are the mass amount of partnerships and collaborations and efforts really from all organizations, um, including private landowners, including um, state and federal agencies, uh, military installations, just a huge collaborative effort that have all been done to work towards the good of the species. And um, one thing, regardless of whether the bird is uh does get downlisted or not, these efforts are going to continue because they need to continue in order to continue to recover the population. So uh, with it being threatened instead of endangered, it still, does it, is it fair to say it still has reasonable protections as well as those efforts? Yes, that's a great question. So it will still have a number of protections, um, very actually very similar to um, the endangered species. A lot of protections will still be put forth to make sure that the population numbers do not then just take a nosedive and go back right back to where we started. Mm-hmm. Well, you're involved, uh, Mercedes, in a landowner-related project called Safe Harbor that is related to protections for the red-cockaded woodpecker. What can you tell us about that, mm-hmm. that Safe Harbor? Yes, so the Safe Harbor Program is a great, great program that is a collaborative. Again, collaboration is key when it comes to the recovery of any species. And this this program works with both landowners, the state, and the federal government, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, And it allows landowners to manage their land in ways that benefit RCWs while also safeguarding them from any additional regulations or penalties if the RCW population on their property increases. And with 23% of RCWs residing on private land, this is a great way to get private landowners involved in the recovery of this species as well. And so these landowners are kind of uh, making their land uh, usable for hunting as well, if I understand it Mm -hmm. correctly. So is there a conflict that develops there? How does that work out? Yes, yes. So actually, a lot of times that, that has worked in our favor. So one, one thing that a lot of people don't, or that I don't know if they don't know, but it just gets overlooked is that when you manage for one species, you're actually benefiting a lot of different species. And so landowners, 
when they hear, oh, um, we need to, uh, or they need to manage their land for RCWs, that can often get overlooked. But if you uh, put it in a perspective more of that, what you're already doing, if you're managing for turkeys or for bobwhite quail, that that's also already benefiting RCWs, um, then that can, that can increase the engagement with that, um, which is really important. Mm-hmm. Well, you're also a member, a uh, board member of an outreach effort called the Wetland Environmental Learning Projects, or WELP. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were quoted as saying uh, this, all my life I've loved environmental research, but in reality, research can only get you so far if you aren't able to get the public, specifically the next generation, excited about what you're doing, then your research and discoveries will end with you. Expand on that quote, if you would, and tell us a bit about WELP. Yes, absolutely. So um, the biggest thing is, again, I feel like that quote does encompass a lot of um, the importance of putting the effort and the knowledge in our next generation, um, especially as the technology is continuing to increase and taking more people's time. And it's important to get people outside and recognize the beauty that, the outdoors have to offer and also the therapeutic methods that the outdoors have to offer. Um, and so with wetland environmental learning projects, um, we are striving to, to do just that. We work with both students, both middle school and high schoolers, and we work with veterans um, to get them outside to experience the outdoors. And for some of the students, it's their very first time experiencing anything like that. Um, two years ago when we had our last workshop, um, a student came up to us and said that it's his first time ever putting his feet in a stream. And it's just different connections like that, just getting them outside, experiencing that, and hoping that that makes a lasting impression to where they're going to care about it in the future mm-hmm. um, is really what we strive to do. And I know you're planning to expand this. Now it's North Alabama, but you want to expand it all throughout the South. East, uh, so this is a good way for citizens to get involved in some causes. How would they? How would they do it? Yes, absolutely. So, uh, with well, we have student workshops every summer. We're still talking about whether or not we're going to be able to do it this year with COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can visit and find out more about the organization at Welp. That's W E L P Alabama spelled out dot org. So WellAlabama.org is where they can find information about that organization. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Mercedes Maddox is a non-game wildlife biologist for the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources Division of Wildlife and Freshwater Fisheries. Thank you for your great work, Mercedes, and I hope you'll come back soon and give us an update on the red-cockaded woodpecker restoration efforts and your other projects. Thank you, Ray. Coming up next here on Talking Birds, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. 
If you'd like to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. That's our mystery bird. We'll repeat the description in a moment here. Just a reminder, if you're not hearing our show live and would like to, especially to enter our mystery bird contest, here's a good way to do it. Go to TalkinBirds.com. Our live broadcast, by the way, is on Sunday mornings from 9.30 to 10 Eastern. So TalkinBirds.com and just go to the Listen tab and you can see how to do it. Our mystery bird is small, about five to six inches long, with a rusty brown back, a cinnamon and tan breast and belly, a white throat and eyebrows, and a medium-length tail that it often holds in a nearly upright position. Our bird, which has expanded its range northward in recent years, is found year-round from southeastern Canada down to Florida and out to eastern Oklahoma, Nebraska, and Texas. Some clues there about our mystery bird and two beautiful prizes await the Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder, which attaches securely to your kitchen window or any window you'd like to attach it to. And you can see the birds directly right next to you through the glass with nothing obstructing you. Our bonus prize is that wonderful coffee that tastes delicious and actually helps save the lives of birds in the neotropics, birds and beans. It's a 12-ounce bag of bird-friendly Shade-grown birds and beans coffee. And the all-important phone number is 781-837-4900. That's uh, 781-837-4900. Please give us a call as soon as you can so we'll have time for our mystery bird contest. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we go to Mike O'Connor and a report from the archive. Let's ask Mike in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology. From field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautiobooks.com B-U-T-E-O Beautiobooks.com my name is Andrea Hammond, and I'm calling from Monterey Bay. I became a Talking Birds ambassador because I really enjoyed the mission of the show, and I have learned a lot, and I would encourage anyone to become a Talking Birds ambassador. It's really easy to do, and it's a great way to encourage people to get to learn a little bit more in a really easy way. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Join today, and thanks. Well, we're more than a month past Valentine's Day, so Mike O'Connor is here to give us a reality check about birds pairing up here in the spring season, but not necessarily falling in love. Can it be true, Mike? <laughs> oh, I know. I'll probably get hate mail for saying this. I know a lot of my customers, and I think that's a lot of reason why uh, people feed birds. It's kind of fun. You see them coming, and then they, in this time this year, you know, in the spring, this time of year, they come in and they, almost like couples, even in my yard, I live near the, the water, and my mother-in-law who lives with me, she puts out, don't tell anybody, but she'll put out a crust of bread once in a while when she can't finish her lunch, and the gulls will come down, and I usually fight over it, but now the gulls come down and 
pairs. Mm. One will come down, grab the bread, and as soon as the other one grabs it, the other one flies off. And the birds are going, the doves are off, going off in pairs, and cardinals certainly are off, paired up in mallards. You go to a pond, there's always male and female together. And, you know, my customers think, you know, like romantic thoughts, but it's really not always the case because it's free. In, in birds, it's just about reproducing the species. And when a couple forms, the male's job is to keep the other males away. He wants to pass on his genes through the female. So he's not emotionally attached to the, this female. He just wants to keep the other the others away. So he's doing a little bit of mate guarding, keeping the other ones away. And on the same token, the female appreciates the male because it keeps the, she doesn't have to, you know, she might have a headache. She don't want to deal with all the other males coming around. And also, she's also got nesting and stuff, so she doesn't want to have to be dealing with males coming in and, and bugging her. So it's, it's kind of, and, and it helps defend the territory. So he's keeping, you know, the perimeter by providing, especially with mallards, they'll, they don't necessarily protect the nest, but they protect the feeding area. So when she gets off the nest, there's, a, there's no ducks fighting for that one place to eat. He kind of protects that area. So it's a, it's a nice idea, but basically it's to pass on the genes. And and then in, in tests have shown that doesn't even always work because the, the, the nice romantic couple, oftentimes another male will sneak in when the old man's not looking. And genetic testing has shown that sometimes with more than one father, oftentimes with more than one father on that site, you know, like uh, it's not, this, not the original dad that we all see singing high in the tree, but while he's singing, sometimes another one will sneak in. Yeah, it's ugly out there, right? It's really ugly out there. <laughs> but, they, but they do bring gifts. Uh, the males often will bring gifts to the female. That seems kind of a, a loving thing, too. <laughs> You're seeing through that, too, I, I, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think, yeah. I don't know if that's... that. that I think that's more of a human thing than that. Than that. Are they copying us, maybe? Or, <laughs> they see us going to the flower store and say, hey, let's, I'm going to try that. Yeah, maybe. All right, thanks for the reality I'll check, Mike. We'll research on that, and we'll talk about it next week. All right. Mike O'Connor down there at the uh, Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Every Wednesday, Birdwatching Magazine sends an e-newsletter full of information of interest to birdwatchers, including recent news stories about birds, conservation, and science, photography tips, stories about places to go birding, bird ID tips, and much more. Best of all, the newsletter is free. Sign up today at birdwatchingdaily.com slash newsletter. We're back to the mystery bird contest in fact we kind of never left because i think we just heard that mystery bird <laughs> during that message our small five to six inches long bird with a rusty brown back cinnamon and tan breast and belly a white throat and eyebrow what might that be uh, vicky is uh, somewhere in michigan good morning vicky good morning how are good, you good morning well thank you in the great lake state or the wolverine state which do you prefer by the way <laughs> five, four out of five lakes prefer Michigan. You like you go for that this part of that. You you go for the for the state for the uh, for the lakes, the Great Lakes yeah. state. Yeah. Yeah. All right. the The Great Lakes state and our mystery bird uh, is what we just heard. What do you think, uh, Vicky? What is that mystery bird? Uh, Carolina wren. Boy, what a confident uh, answer! Yes. <laughs> Carolina Wren, the singing champion. It says here that one captive male Carolina Wren was recorded singing nearly 3,000 times in a single day. That's kind of crazy, but that's what they say. Wow. We have Pretty cool. maybe, maybe time for a, a bonus question. Would you like to try? 
Oh, sure. We're all Alabama lately, it seems like. One of the nicknames of Alabama is the Cotton State. What's another? Is it A, the Mockingbird State, B, the Yellow Hammer State, or C, the Purple Screwdriver State? <laughs> it would be one of those. <laughs> the uh, Yellow Hammer State. Absolutely right. The Yellow Hammer State, Alabama. Thank you so much, Vicki. Stay on the line, and uh, Jesse will make arrangements with you. Thank you. For those prizes. Thank you, Vicki. The Carolina Wren was our mystery bird. Before we go, happy Passover to our friends and listeners of the Jewish faith. And a reminder to join the Talking Birds flock if you'd like to join up with other Talking Birds listeners about uh, anything to do with birds or conservation for that matter. One other thing, thanks to our friend Mike Mayno at WCRI, our affiliate station in southern Rhode Island. He does a show called Conducting Conversations. And he was kind enough to interview yours truly uh, just uh, recently. If you want to hear that interview, just go to classical959.com. That's our show for this morning. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. BirdWatchersGeneralStore.com By Vortex Optics With the VIP warranty Their unlimited lifetime promise To keep you and your optic covered Learn more at VortexOptics.com And Beautio Books An independent family owned bookstore Carrying one of the largest selections Of birding books in the world BeautioBooks.com And by Ocean State Bird Club We're running new online talks about topics like owls and cuckoos to enhance your birding skills. Learn more by following us on Facebook and on our website, OceanStateBirdClub.org.